Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode of the podcast is one that I've been looking forward to since I started this thing. uh, And it's taken a little bit to make happen just because of scheduling and location. But I'm super excited to bring you all my uncle Glenn, Glenn Jacobs. Um, He is probably one of the biggest influencers on my life, which I guess we talk about a little bit in the podcast. For those of you who haven't heard of Glenn, he's basically the world's first professional trail builder in mountain biking. He got a job with the UCI in the 90s to build all the World Cup downhill and four cross courses. And then he got into, I guess, building trails for the government sector and for public use. And over the last 15 years, that has culminated in the derby project in tasmania anyone that is listening to this podcast and is a mountain biker please go to derby Uh, it's one of the most amazing places that that you can go to ride a mountain bike there's like 80 plus kilometers of trail they were voted trail of the year by the ews which raced there last year Uh, so it's really an exciting time in glenn's life and career to see this vision that he's had since the early 90s really come to life in a place like Derby and now he's announced I guess what would be his legacy project which is the Wongeti Trail which is a new trail that is just they started walking it uh, this week. That's a trail that goes from basically Palm Cove in Cairns up to Port Douglas along one of the most spectacular pieces of coastline in Australia and Glenn's been eyeing it off since he was a kid. So we did this podcast in two parts. We only had an hour and a half at McAllister Brewery which was not enough to I guess talk about all the things that we want to talk about so then we went to the view apartments at trinity beach in cairns as well and we did another three hours so we're going to separate this into two parts they'll both be available right away so you can listen to them if you want if you've got four hours to kill so dig in glenn jacobs part one yeah we're on glenn we're on mate we're, we're, we're doing here eh? how good's that this is taking a bit has taken a while. We were um, no fault of yours or mine. Nah, we were going to try like the Derby thing, but we were too busy. And then Brizzy, mm. and you've been busy because yeah. you've just announced probably your biggest project of your career. Yeah. Um, what was that yesterday? Yeah, two tell days me, ago. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, that's pretty big, isn't it? You know, like uh, it's a trail called Wangetti Trail, and something that I've thought of ever since I was a kid. You know, you're going up along that coastline in North Queensland there. If anybody's seen that, you know it, and I know it well, but other people, it's uh, between Cairns and Port Douglas. It's quite nice. It's sort of, you know, it's the same as the Great Ocean Road and stuff like that. So uh, um, we're looking at a trail that goes from Palm Cove to Port Douglas, anywhere between 75 and 95 kilometres long. 
there's so many iconic values there you know there's massive rocks like granite rocks and slabs and waterfalls and the beaches are beautiful and the rainforest and actually on that you know there's so many different types of terrains along that coastline and look I, I may not have this right but at the the media announcement uh, wet tropics were there and one of the guys from wet tropics um, said that there is more um, like species of trees in one kilometer square than all of north america and south america really you know, it's like or europe and north america something like that and it's like wow that's un-, you know not that they're rare and endangered there's just that there's so many species you know and you don't know these things you know but what a great thing when you're you know going through there you can actually you know go through the whole you know valleys and rainforest and everything just in it's you know the terrain and the trees are so diverse you know i think it's going to be pretty special well i know it's going to be really special you know it's yeah it's it's been i guess like it's uh, it's almost like your legacy kind of project but i guess before we go too far we've mm. got to explain the um the noise where what you can hear in the background is a, a rustling cane um yeah cane field we're at McAllister brewery in cairns north queensland um, and we're recording this on location. We've got, if you watch the video, um, we've got a camera set up looking out over the cane fields and it's pretty cool because you're from Cairns, I'm obviously from Cairns and it yeah. was when we were, we decided to sort of like do this, we're like, we, you know, McAllister's is such a good spot for us to, to come and well, that, it kind of like represents it? a lot of like of our whole lives, I guess. Well, it's like that whole thing. It's, you know, it's just a unique surrounding, you know, the and, and, you know, McAllis is a, a new microbrewery that is really special. You know, you would say, oh, well, it's a microbrewery. You know, there's microbreweries everywhere. But what's happened here in Smithfield, why it's so special, apart from the beer being so amazing, bloody amazing, you know, it's fantastic. But Smithfield has never had a township at all. You know, there's, yeah. you know it's that typical, um, you know, US strip mall type thing. There's a shopping centre and then that's it. There's no main street. So there's no culture. You know, there's nowhere you can hang out and, you know, just drive around and, you know, meet people, you know, pull up, oh, there's Jason, let's have a yarn. It's just a shopping centre where when they put, you know, when um, McAllister's uh, dropped into this shed here beside the cane fields, everybody, it's, it's like a little culture spot. Everybody comes here and meets and, and you look out there and the cane fields, and especially, you know, during the World Championships in, like, last year, they decided to burn the cane. And that in itself, you know, was amazing. You see Jimmy Barnes singing out the front of the cane fields. It was on fire. It was really, uh, yeah. But anyway, it's a culture spot. It's you know, yep. it's it's a it's a um, little bit of uh, yeah. And so bit of community. And I guess like for I'll obviously intro to the podcast, but your um, Hall of Fame mountain bike or well, mountain bike Hall of Famer for your contribution in the trail building realm, uh, and we're in Smithfield in North Queensland, which is one of the birthplaces of mountain biking mm-hmm. certainly in australia but also like in the world really um and you guys you know back in the day cutting tracks up down the Cranor range and like tracks that are still there and then mm-hmm. the 96 worlds and then the two was it 2016 17 2017 yeah. worlds yeah. so it's like this spot is so culturally relevant to mountain biking but like you said McAllister's is almost like the thing that kind of brings it together now to where like we've had multiple rides where we like finish at the pub you gotta finish at a pub or a swimming hole or a cafe you know if you go for a ride you know I'll get into that later you know (laughs) why why you know good trail networks work you know and stuff like that but yeah there's special Smithfield is special again there's nothing spectacular about the township there's none really 
but it is special. You know, the mountain ranges and the cane fields and the ocean. You know, it's it, the vibe. It's, it's the gist. It's the, it's it's the, the vibe. Yeah. Well, it's you know, yeah, yeah. Living here, you know, you live here, and everywhere is five minutes. Yeah. You know, um, and that's amazing. Like we went for a ride this morning. Yeah, I was going to say. So we, um, so this morning we get up at five something. Yeah. Um, get up and Ricky drives us to the top. Me, you, and Sean. We had Levo. Sean, he had his his old bike. Yeah. The, those old pedal things. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we actually have to do stuff. Natural aspiration. Naturally yeah. aspirated. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we had the turbo Levos, and then so we did a run of Clifton's, yeah. and then pinned it back here and back at the brewery yeah. in time for a podcast at 9.30. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, that to me has always been, especially like growing up here my whole life and then moving to LA, mm. it was just like all day to do one thing. Mm. But it's like, look how much we've already done. And then yeah. straight from here, you're going to do your thing. Yeah. I'm going to go train. And then, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, you just, that's such a good thing about cans is how much you can like, like squeeze into a day. Well, yeah. Like, look, life also, you've got to really question yourself and like where you live, like and where you work. And I think there's two main things there, isn't there? Like, uh, how many traffic lights do you want to go through to go and do something you love? Mm. Or how many traffic lights do you want to go through to do something you don't love, which is probably work? Yeah. You've got to balance that fucking shit up, you know? You've got to really do it that way. You go, well, you know, um, should I live near the places I love or should I live near where I have to work, you know? And, uh, you know, you go, well... It's going to take me half an hour to get to work or two hours to go and ride a bike or it's going to take me half an hour to go ride a bike or two hours to go to work you know you just you go well if it takes you two hours to go to work you got the wrong job yeah you know go find something else you know yeah i like totally agree like i got friends that that live in la and one in particular and he he drives an hour and a half each way each day and it's like just times that out by three hours a day by seven so what's that 21 hours yeah. then you times that by 52 then you times that by the 10 years that you work there yeah. and it just starts melting your fucking brain of how long you actually spend in traffic and it's like i mean it's gotten better because people can listen to podcasts and like you could learn spanish on sure. your way to work so it has got better yeah. but it's like what is that doing to you long term yeah look uh i know it's probably easy to say but you know you know if you've got to really look and, and, and find something you really like doing. Mm. Uh, and uh, at my age, I, I, you know, you, you look at it and you go, it's, you gotta do that, you know? You, you look back at all the jobs you've had and everything, and usually it's things you really like doing. But if you do have to do something just to get money, uh, you gotta find something that you really love doing. And money is a byproduct, don't worry about that, it's just gonna come. Mm. If you really do something you love doing, money will just come through the door. But um, you gotta do that, you know? You could find something, look, I've got this one thing about that. You know, um, like if you ever like down or you're in a rut or something like that, and I did this years ago when you know things weren't going so well. Um, had a piece of paper, drew a line down the middle, and on one side is like the things I'm really good at. I'd, I'd list that lay out in the list, and on the other side, the things I love doing. Yeah, two different things. You know, things you're good at and things you love doing. And then you go right down through that list and find the the peak of each one, and then just draw a line through and go. That's my sweet spot that's what I'm going to do for a job. Yeah, right. And that's what you do. And you have to do that, you know. Um, certainly you have to do, you know, you've got to go to work to make money and for your family and house and everything like that. But try really hard to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, look at, look at uh, what makes you happy and because uh, that's half your life. Well, I think too, like, 
because it, it is a balance that people have to find between what they um what they want to do and what they have to do like yeah. there, there is there is a definitely like a disconnect there and it and it has to be that way like society wouldn't function if we all just got to do what we want someone has mm. to fucking take the rubbish out mm. someone has to make the bed in the hotel mm. like they're not jobs that people are jumping out of bed to do mm. but somebody does have to do them oh that's so, true yeah. so it is it is a yeah. hard it is a hard balance to make but i think that um there's always gonna like be someone that's coming up in that like they're like coming up jobs you know what i mean mm. like they're the jobs that you get when you're sort of on your way to that next thing like so it's not like the economy will fall out if like everybody ditches it because there will always be somebody coming up someone leaving school but or make it enjoyable you know like you know you're saying like somebody's got to take the rubbish out somebody's got to do the bed so be innovative and be creative to make that happier you know, make yourself yeah, happier yeah. make it better yeah you know and i think that's great you know? well i think too now like we're in a place where we've got the internet hmm. and everyone's got the internet like you can have a business not here on a phone not Smithfield. Oh, just, <laughs> just, we just got it and be what yeah but yeah you know what i mean like everyone does have the internet everyone does have the capability and like i think that it's always a factor of like the cream rises to the top yeah. like you I'm, I remember periods of your life where you had were in between like big trail things and it was like you, that rut you were talking about. Yeah, so yeah. you just went and did the job that you had to do to get to by. Do. But you still went right after work and you still made trails and you mm. wrote up proposals and you did, mm. like you were still doing stuff to yeah. achieve Well, there's your goals in your life, you know. You, you, if you have to do what you have to do, but there, and that's probably the second part of it. Yeah is that you got to have a deliverable in your life, like saying, you know, so what I was probably talking about before was, you know, just that bland thing you're doing every day and there's no no excitement in your life. Mm. Uh, there's no goals. There's no, nothing on the horizon. Yeah. I mean, that must be bad, you know. And it, But if you have something, like uh, you go and work and then you, your time off, you know, and before work or after work, you're working on something that's going to make your life better, you know, coming up with ideas and that's basically it. Or doing another job that, you really want to do you know yeah and you can even be doing stuff like like this podcast was a good example of that mm. because there was a point where this well there was a, like a half this podcast life where it made no money but yeah. i still did it like it did make money i treated it like a job yeah it wasn't no outcome mm. like, well no that, well that's the exact same thing you like yeah, doing exa- it exactly you love yeah. it and yep. if, if it works if you put if you didn't like it you're not going to think outside the box you're not going to be creative you're just going to do it but if you really love it you're going to come up with some ideas and you know talk to the right people and then more people like the way you do it and it mm. grows and grows and grows and and you know. like you said um the money is the byproduct yeah it's going to come yeah and i've always found that like when when people would ask me and like i i still get messages from people like younger guys saying like how did you do this with filming and blah blah mm. blah and I, was, I just made mm. that stuff that i thought was cool yeah and like if you're doing something for the right reasons it's gonna get traction it's gonna get noticed and like like the hans thing was a perfect example like Mm. he had a filmer but i'd been putting stuff out like obviously it was my career at this point yeah but then it's like that guy broke his leg but you were already in hospital (laughs) you know you were you were still in emergency (laughs) at that time and i remember that phone call going in look i know you've just got out of emergency the day before but uh you think you can come down and film hands array you know you're like yeah okay i can do it yeah (laughs) but like that's the stuff where like you know that could have been my first break yeah you know what i mean well that's true like i could have just been in a position where like you knew i made videos Mm. for fun and then that come up so it's like you know if you're just doing it and doing it like it's gonna catch on and i think that 
people struggle when it like the like I was just talking to this yesterday about a friend he's like uh, about to start a business he's like man I, I could get a hundred thousand people to subscribe to this and I was like that's the wrong attitude yeah. for where you're at right now yeah. like all you need to do is get your platform ready and then sign 10 people that's yeah. your first goal yeah. that's like super achievable yeah. You, yeah everyone knows 10 people they could sign up to a sure. new subscription yeah. so then you get 10 and then you go alright so let's go from here let's go by factors of 10 from here on out yeah. so let's go 10 to 100 yeah. and then let's go so once you sign up 100 people then you're probably going to have some processes of like well this is sort of what worked to get us to 100 people so oh wicky so now yeah. um, so now we go from that 100 people so let's multiply that by 10 so let's go a thousand people mm. and on the way like on that journey from 10 to 100 you're going to learn from 0 to 10 you're going to learn yeah. from 10 to 100 you're going to learn mm. from 100 to 1000 you're going to learn and then you're going to start so all you're incrementally creeping up to this 100,000 subscriber number that was like poof, in your yeah. head like fuck imagine that yeah. but it's like if you break it down and you're just doing it because 10 10 people it's an easy thing mm. then you get you know you get 100 people and it's kind of the, I guess the same whether it's like derby with trails like mm. how many thousands of people are, are riding the trails a day yeah. and it started off with what 20 30 yeah, people exactly. riding the trails yeah, a day yeah. so yeah it just grows and grows yeah yeah and, and look if you I mean there is a couple of things with that you, you know if you, if you set out and say you plan things you know, you know it's like the accountant and the artist really mm. an accountant you know that, that mindset you can plan things out to make money with a business and that's what you go out and do and that's what you do. And it's all about the money. Um, yeah, look, um, but if you come in with a creative eye and uh, it's fun. Yeah. You know? Oh, there's certainly a lot of people out there that that's their passion, making money. Yeah. And that's what they love and, and that's that what can, drives that them. And that's fine. Too, that's, yeah. that's okay, you know, but not everybody's like that, you know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, the derby thing, geez, you know, you, you start out, you, you know, yeah, even building it, you have to start out with the easier trails first, yeah. and they radiate out. And yeah, some people may look at that and go, "Oh, the, you know, it looks like a little bit dumbed down footpaths and everything." Well, that's the green one. You yeah, know? That's, that's to get the. That's not the big market. That's only ten percent. That's to and get us you're, deep. Yeah, once you start going out, you get to the eighty, you know, seventy-nine percent. Is it eighty percent? Is the the big big one? And then uh, the you know the blue square, intermediate, and then you get black black diamond, double black diamond, further out. Um, and they go back to 10%, stuff like that. So uh, then they grow. You know, those type of trail systems, <clears throat> I look at them like shopping centers, and I've always said this. You have to have something for everybody. Mm. Like if you go into a shopping center that's got 50 stores, and they're all news agencies, you yeah. go, what <laughs> am I doing here? Yeah. You know, that's why shopping centers work. You know, shopping malls, they have everything for everybody at, at, at a level, you know. So you've got to please everybody with a trail. Too. you know a trail center you've got a, a destination it's got to be something for everybody and everybody's going to have fun and also to um challenge themselves too you mm. know there's got to be harder stuff on the trail that isn't a, it's not a forced risk it's just an option but every time you go past that and you go oh, i might hit that one day and then your buddy might hit it you go damn i'll go and give that a go and the next day you'll hit it then you'll ride that all, all the time and then further on when you choose another level of a level, skill level of trail there'll be those levels on the trail too so it's all exciting mm. nothing ever gets boring you know and if the trails are fun well it's going to be you yourself riding them and then trying different styles you know different types of bikes yeah exactly i wanted to i actually wanted to start with um like i guess giving people a bit of background i'll probably do it in the intro but yeah so 
you have always been Uncle Glenn to me, but mm. you're Uncle Glenn in the Aboriginal sense of the word. Ah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. uncle. Uncle, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. So, obviously, there's no, like, blood relation there. But yeah. you've been... Well, I was there when you were born. Filmed it. Yeah. That was a <laughs> tell, funny story. Tell people that oh, story. Oh, geez, that was tough. Well, your dad and I grew up together and everything like that. And Lizzie, uh, you know, your mum has been a you know, bless close friend. Bless God bless Lizzie, you know. Uh, yeah, beautiful, and it was it was a great day. I was best man at your yeah your dad's wedding, and and uh, so it was fantastic. And uh, you know we did so 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 many things. You know so many stories about your mum and dad, uh, and such a big life. We you know we've done a lot of things together. But when you you were the firstborn, and you you know your dad rang me and said, look, um, he's on his way. We're in the hospital. Come on down. You know, get down here. But the one thing is, I've got my camera here, and it's it's broken. You know can you bring a, a camera? And I've gone, yeah, sure. And uh, it wasn't until years later, I thought, well, why did he get me to film it? Why couldn't he just use my camera? You know? So anyway, uh, I've seen you from day one. So that's a great thing. <laughs> uh, I always, um, I always attribute, like, I, I don't know how much of a, like I can attribute my success in life to you directly. Mm. Cause it, it'd be like a hard thing to quantify, but you were the only person in my life mm. that was that, um, artist creative working on ideas like you've had crazy mm. inventions that mm. you've done and still the zip lines, <laughs> you know yeah. all that stuff yeah. that that you did you were the only person in my life mm. that i knew that had that yeah. mum and dad were nine to five super hard working mm. and very like non kind of risk taking they had three kids at a young age so they they had to do that they had to be those stable yeah. um parents and then i had crazy uncle glenn that had all this shit going on was traveling all over the world was making these films and doing all this stuff and and like i've thought about it a bunch of times um you know since is that i sort of i guess i modeled some of my life off what you did and some of the values you have of doing things not for the money but just for the love and and Mm. you know i guess yeah that stuff really i think came Mm. from you in a lot of ways so it's kind of cool to you know and now that i'm older because i remember i used to go on your sign shop in school holidays and you know do mm. sign writing and all yeah, that you did stuff. too i remember that yeah, yeah yeah so it's like uh i just now you know now we're older we can kind of we can join both our worlds together yeah. you know i've done filming for world trail and then you know yeah. riding and camping and all that sort of stuff it's and that's like, why it's rad to be sitting here you know opposite opposite you here having a talk you know because it's uh you know i was thinking about it on the ride this morning Thing, how rad is it that we're riding together? And I had an image about uh, us catching yabbies way out, you know, Cape York. You know, you were probably like, you know, two and a half years old, if that. You're probably one and a half. You know, your dad took you way out bush, you know, and uh, don't go too close to them crocodiles, you know, and you were down on the bank and stuff like that. And, you know, to, to see what you've done, certainly, you know, it's amazing, you know. To, and, and look, I was inspired too by different people, you mm. know. And I think that's the thing. Look, we can't, like, it happens all over the world. If, you, if you're in a remote destination, I would call Cairns a remote destination yeah, yeah. because it's, well, not a destination, a re- remote, you know, remote lifestyle. You know, different things influence you, you know, and certainly people do. When you can see people that get up and go and go and do things and you just go, well, it's possible. Mm. You know, if you didn't have anybody around you that were doing amazing things and going places, you'd just say, well, this is where I am, this is where I'm living for the rest of my life, you know. But when you can see people that have gone and done things, you know, was, you know, there's a bloke here in Cairns called Rusty Reese, you know, and he, he'd travelled all over the world, you know, motor, racing motorbikes and everything like that. And, uh, and he was uh, pinning it yeah. right up till the day he died at 70 or 80 years old, you know, and, and, and those people, you just go, yeah, 
that's that's cool you know to do that and go and do stuff so you get inspired by a lot of people you know and and uh it's rad that you're doing you know it's great that you know you and maddie mm. are heading out and doing all this type of stuff way beyond anything that i ever did you know and uh yeah good on you yeah it's just it's always um yeah i don't know when it was that i started thinking about that but i just remember that like the like i just always had wonderlust of like I, and i remember you were always so ahead of stuff as well mm. like my music taste came from you know like getting cds out of your your sign shop and then yeah. i remember when you did a trip to japan once and then you bought back an mp3 player yeah like before my mates even had cd players yeah and it and the, it had one song on it and it was yeah. bomb funk mc freestyler <laughs> and then like three months later whoops four, yeah. four months later yeah that's like the biggest song in the world yeah you know yeah. what i mean for yeah. like a point and i was just like it, it was always just a yeah such a cool thing and then i think i think it almost made me and maddie think that kind of lifestyle was possible because hmm. yeah, you know true. dad yeah. worked for the council for a lot of years and yeah. it's like that you wouldn't um you wouldn't say that that's like a job that you would kind of aspire to be yeah. um but you would say like dad like i got from dad that he was just a hard-working guy hmm. and sometimes you had to do shit you didn't want to do yeah. to to get by so and can, I, I, can i just say something on that too um what we we're talking about before about like doing something you love um, you, you know, or doing a job that you have to do. That was that. To explain that, it's like um, if you make work your whole life, you know, uh, that's a bad thing, you know. But you know, what your dad and you know a lot of people in that position, they had to work to, you know, we all had to, we've all done that and do it, you know, to make money. But a lot of people, that's all they've got. Yeah. You know, where your dad, uh, you know, had the family and 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 you know, work was just this part. Oh, just like a we small were never part. at home. Yeah, ever. exactly. Yeah. Always doing things, and yeah. that's probably where I was coming from. Yeah, it's like you know you 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 got to have you got to work and got to have money and everything like that. But if that's all you've got in life, that's yeah. a bad thing. Yeah, and that's where I was coming from. You know, if you've got bunches of things to do with your family and go and you were always traveling, always camping. Mm. You know, so many times you know fishing and shooting and carrying on. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's what like I think too that yeah. What I think is you've got to have this like what's worth it so like you can put up with a certain amount of i don't want to be here for eight hours Mm. if for the other 10 hours of the day or the long weekends like you go to Mackay and you race like the Mm. eight hour and then you come back and you know what i mean it's like but it's those yeah it's those people that they don't necessarily uh have that push to do yeah the other stuff yeah yeah, outside of work because yeah that that was the thing like when we were kids we did um We'd have Monday night. I'd, I don't think we did a lot. Tuesday night was football. Yeah. Wednesday, uh, football, and then we'd go to BMX. Wednesday night we'd do little athletics. Yeah. Thursday night would be football. Friday night we'd race BMX. Yeah. Saturday we'd play football, and Sunday we'd do athletics again. Yeah. yeah. So it was like we we kind of you know life was jam packed with all mm. that shit. Mm. And then whenever that wasn't on, like I remember Dad would send me away to like Laura for six weeks for the mm. Christmas break or like we'd go to Aracoon or County yeah, and it'd yeah. be like the entire school holidays or we got pulled out of school. I can't remember what year it was, but we did like two months in the Northern Territory. Yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah, we, we did have a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I guess that, that drive to like want to leave Cairns, want to see the <coughs> world, want to have a crack at, you know, doing your own thing and that crazy inventions or mm. shit could work, I think you know come from that example that you had so i guess i'm grateful to have the 
to see like the work ethic because all that shit like all the fucking best ideas in the world mean nothing mm. without the work ethic to see them through yeah so it's like you do sort of have to have both sides of that coin well, as well because right we, you know, we all know we all know artists that don't fucking do anything yeah you know what I mean yeah. they've got all the ideas and creativity yeah. but they they don't have the that kind of back end to, to then make that work so it does take both things yeah it does yeah yeah well with that you know the the um you know, it's creating things. And like back, back to the cans thing, you know, you head away and, and see the world and it's good to come back to a place mm. like this, you know, because, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's got everything, you know. You've got, oh, geez, you know. You, you hear people, and you've probably heard them growing up too, talking about cans, oh, you know, there's nothing to do here. Mm. And you wonder, well, do you just go to nightclubs or what do you do? Mm. Well, really, what do you do? It's all about outdoor adventure. The can, like cans itself, the township itself is just a town. It's yeah. just, you know, it's like any other town in the world. Small little town. But what surrounds cans is amazing, you know. Mm. And, and if you don't embrace it, and if you don't sort of soak yourself up in it, um, what are you doing here, you know? And it, I guess, like, I guess I could see where people would take it for granted. Mm. Because if you haven't lived somewhere else and you just grow up and you look at, like, the <laughs> mountains, and, yeah, you know, yeah, and you're yeah, just yeah. like, well, this is what it's well, like Well, I've got everywhere. one exactly like that at grade five. Uh, we had some cousins up here from Brisbane. And I remember uh, one of the cousins, she said, oh, this place is beautiful. You know, look at the mountains. And I go, what mountains? Yeah. And you yeah, look around this, this and you know, massive mountains. But, but the thing is, you don't notice them when you grow yeah. up, you know. And that's a beautiful thing when, from a trial builder's perspective, when you go out and have a look at, you know, a, you know, a potential project somewhere in the world, you're looking without side eyes. Yeah. Because the people there see it every day mm. and they get used to it. And it's just like, eh, it is what it is and get excited about what they've got. But you see it from another angle from what every other person that's going to travel there through their eyes, what they're going to see. Mm. And that's a big advantage, you know. So, um, you know, it's like somebody, you know, in your town trying to tell you, um, well, the trail building side of things. Uh, I suppose if you go and talk to your council and your local and you're saying, oh, you know, you need new trails here, you need tr- new trails there. And they go, oh, yeah. But an American comes in, you know, somebody from Imbra comes over and visits and they say it in a different accent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Everybody's like, yes, sir. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's just that different sound. So it's different eyes too. So it's a whole different thing, you know. That's like the one reason, I think the biggest reason why I would encourage people to travel. Yeah. Even if it's like not an extravagant holiday, like you got to fucking, you know, work at a cafe just to kind of get there and back. Yeah. But man, like when I left Cairns when I was like 18 and I kind of traveled all over, coming back to Cairns was such a great thing. Yeah. because of the a you miss the people but then you kind of you want to cram in all the stuff that you kind of missed out on when you're away and davies creek falls and stony creek yeah. and bahanna and all these crazy places and ride coranda and do clip you really want to cram stuff in and then you um expand that out further mm. when you leave the country yeah and especially like living in the states over the last couple of years it's so crazy what's happening over there like politically and socially mm. And then you come back to Australia and I'm just like, God damn, how good, yeah. is, you know what I mean? It's, like, this place is so good. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, it's not just appreciating the town you're from, it's just appreciating every single town. Mm. All, you know, see Sydney for what it is, see Aubrey Wodonga for what it is, and then you go to the pockets like Derby and you're just like, this mm. is special. 
because you've got that perspective. And don't you find people, you know, when you travel a lot, people say, you know, what's the best place you've been to? You know, what's, what's the best place in the world? And you go, well, where your loved ones are. Yeah, it's home. Yeah. Well, wherever, you know, mm. the people you love, wherever they are, is the best place in the world. So, oh, you know, you could, you could be living in a, a shack in Afghanistan. It's the best place in the world. You know, so just, you know, but it's good to be in some pretty rad places. Yeah, and that's the thing that, um, like, people don't really we don't want to leave our families. We Mm. don't want to like mum and dad now live in Brizzy. Mm. And like, I wouldn't consider moving back to Cairns Mm. because of, you know, the the family and stuff like that. And it doesn't take anything away from Cairns. No. But it's like, you know, when all those people are there, that's the, you know, that's kind of the spot. Yeah, that's the spot it is, eh? Yeah. 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 But it is, you know, it's good to go and see the world and, uh, you know, it's, Growing up, there's only you only get influenced by a few. You know, certainly you get influenced by your family when you're young, mm. and then you get influenced by school, yeah. you know, friends and your situations mates. and yep. mates and some teachers. Then you go to work, and you get influenced by you know the tradesman or whoever's working with you and your boss. And uh, then you go to nightclubs, and then it's it's one of the first things. Well, I'm free. You know, you're, yeah. you're going to a nightclub, and everybody's there for the same reason. Everybody's euphoric, and it's all happy, and it's great. So you get influenced there too. But your real influence is when you go overseas. Mm. You know, you're, you know, being in Croatia, nobody's speaking your language. Mm. You don't know what day it is. You know, you don't, you know, what do you do? But you know what I mean. You, you, what money is this? You know this, and you're put you know basically put on the spot every minute of the day mm. and you've got to think outside the square you, you're out of your comfort zone you know and that's the greatest thing when you travel your mind changes and you learn mm. you know and then you know then when you come back you're a lot more you're a little bit more open you're thinking and way you approach things and, and do stuff and that's uh, that's what everybody's got to do and, and I tell everybody that you know when it, you know if you're going to go overseas don't go to the US mm. it's just us they drive on the other side of the road and got a twang to their you yeah. know, accent. Yeah, go to Canada's all right too, but go to somewhere where you're lost. You're challenged yeah. every day, you know, and that's when you find your worth. That's when you find out who you are, you know, and that's where you you become a better person, I believe. Well, I think too that one of the things that holds back society and people in general mm. is that we're born with one perspective on the world. Yeah. And it's, you know, our personality governs it, our experience governs it, the way we're raised governs it, and we're just locked into this perspective. And I think that if you don't actively try to open your mind to new perspectives in life, Mm. you're going to be at like a super big disadvantage to people that that are open to new ideas and are open to new experiences and and have kind of seen the world through different eyes because you do see the world through a different lens when you're forced into a place like like uh costa rica for me was yeah. actually quite full-on because Tough, i guess yeah that was my th- first um i guess my first look at like third world i don't know if costa rica is technically third world but like we were driving through villages where kids kind of had nothing mm. and i mean even the even cape york like growing up in cape york i always had a real appreciation for small communities the aboriginal community yeah. um a way that people can live in a in a small tribe and and i'd always um you know you'd hear like oh build the houses and they just burn them down blah 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 like all the kind of negative shit that goes with some of that stuff yeah and it's like well they don't want it they don't need it like Mm. what they want is just their little group it's like that's kind that's what they're all about and so it's like almost getting to see that perspective and and you're right when you travel it 
it forces you to look through the lens of the people that are there and mm. the culture that's there mm. and and i guess like getting appreciation for just what what i think is right doesn't isn't right to everybody else no, no, you know no. and i think that's quite a powerful thing and then i think some of the negativity of the world now is that people have their lens and they have their perspective and that's the mm. right perspective and mm. everything else outside of that is wrong mm. but it's like you need context yeah, yeah and traveling kind of does give you that context oh yeah i had something really good to tell you and i just forgot i was it was so interesting what you were saying about the damn what i was gonna say, i was gonna say something really good about that yeah we'll circle anyway it'll it. come back it'll swing back around yeah um we got to talk about e-bikes because yeah. we're, we're we're two very passionate e-bikers well you know it's 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 funny isn't it you know i just saw something the other day sorry uh, yeah e-bikes yeah uh, about somebody saying you know ban e-bikes and the story started with the you know and it's true you know it's like what was the first bicycle it was two wheels steel rims and you just kicked along with your feet yeah and then you know pedals came in and then gears and stuff like that and then suspension 29ers drops it and get you know yeah but what is a real bicycle you know if you pedal you pedal i mean an electric bike that hasn't got no, the electric that bike that's throttle. got a throttle. Yeah. Well, they can burn in hell when it comes to a mountain bike track because mm. they're gonna—they're not good. You know, they're mm. not good at all. But e-bikes are—you are, know—you get the comment where people say, "Oh, you know," when they're coming around to it, they're—they're they're okay. They're good for older people and people with injuries and stuff like that. No, no, get somebody like Troy Brosnan on one and see what they can do. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. Especially when there's a bunch of years riding. You know. So early in the days when they started popping up as a trail builder, you know, we had to come into this with uh, you know a clear head how is this going to work properly you know uh, how, how's it going to work on the trails and some of the comments from a lot of people that probably didn't really know and as you know we were talking the other day about mm. people clickety clacking and just spewing stuff out of their head without any knowledge whatsoever and saying and trying to be profound but stupid you know yeah. and you know some of the things are like they're too heavy They'll destroy trails. They'll skid up stuff. They go too fast. You know. They'll. You know. You know. They're abrasive. All that type of stuff. So as a trail building company, we go. No. Well, let's. You know. You've ridden it before. I'll go and buy one, and let's just go test it out. You know. Yeah. And the first thing about being too heavy. Well, you said you want seventy-two kilos. Yeah, seventy-three. Yeah, yeah. I'm ninety. I'm ninety-four. Yeah, that's a difference. On an ordinary bike. bike. Yeah. There's yeah. twenty kilos. Am I banned from riding a trail because I'm twenty kilos heavier than you? Not on an e-bike. On an ordinary bike. Yeah. But you can't do it what the hell yeah. you know so that that argument's gone even though it's rolling mass and you know it's the bike you know it's still the same it's yeah 20 kilos heavier yeah go too fast well the first world cup we had back here in 2014 uh, i was i had an e-bike for a day just to try it out and have a ride a certain brand you know and uh say the brand specialized it was specialized it was one of the new models so went and took it for a ride yeah and uh went f- with a couple of world cup riders you know and uh we went and did a couple of laps well I couldn't keep up with them mm. you know I tried my best um, going as fast as I could and you were, you were on the e-bike I was on the e-bike and they were, and they were, they were just on their bikes you know and, and they were going going I couldn't catch them anywhere anywhere yeah and I was talking to Stephen Gould this morning he went for a ride and a couple of you know there were people with, on e-bikes and everything there was a guy that wasn't an e-bike I forget who he said he was but he's, he's a pinner he's got every Strava you know yeah, uh, record down in, in uh, Narang yeah. you know he couldn't catch him so you know it, it instantly makes you a World Cup rider but the speed side of things, do you go and ban World Cup riders or anybody that's got any skill, you know, yeah. you can understand if you're going too fast, you know, you, and you're not a skilled rider, but 
Single track is single track. You have trees on the side, you have rocks, you still have to negotiate the trail. So you're not going to be going any faster without any skill. You may in one or your first corner, but you won't do that again. Yeah. You know, so that thing, we'll put that aside because you're not going faster than anybody else. Yeah. Like Troy Brosnan would still smoke me down a hill if I was on a Levo and he was on an Enduro. Exactly. Like that's just how it is. Yeah, sure you're going to be climbing a hill faster and better than you you normally do. But as for going too fast, we're well, not going any faster than a, no. a professional or a, a really skilled rider. So, And I mean, I rode the, we rode the Levos today down Clifton yeah. and I'm, I wasn't going any faster than I would Well, actually you were going stumping. slower. Yeah, I thought you were going a bit slower than oh, you I, usually do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You I didn't were, want to rule you myself for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, and I think, yeah, it's, it's that argument. And I think too, like, there's so many plus sides to the e-bike yeah. movement, but, what the problem is is we're putting them apples to apples yeah. an e-bike's an orange yeah and a normal bike's an apple exactly like it's not it's a different thing we're doing a different thing yeah and when me and you like we you're said, never going to get that corolla up that steep hill look at my land cruiser will no that's a corolla that's, that's a, a land cruiser that's you a know corolla. two different yeah. things yeah and like we said um i think people need to just think of it in in like a different way like i said that term when we so we did this ride months ago my, where, hair's, my um, hair's getting all blown around mate like it's going, yeah, a, bit, no, going a bit crazy yeah. here isn't it yeah, yeah. It's all, it's yeah. Good, mate. It's no it's getting in my eyes anyway sorry yeah yeah but we did this ride where we started at your place we rode up the fire road for the world uh the world cup cross country track yeah. which like i would never do that yeah normally yeah so first of all right there that for me is like you're going to a place it's open it's a gateway it's opening you into something yeah, yeah i was like well i wouldn't have done this right no straight away i yeah. would have done my normal thing and yeah. i would have known the area like well like you're not really supposed to ride up that fire road that entire way like you guys build a climb yeah but that's not what it was we're on an e-bike ride yeah. yeah so we pinned it up this hill and then you get to the top of it and then it's this sick fire road that goes down to the german's house hmm. and then goes down those two super yeah. steep rutted out fire yeah. roads it's yeah. like that's crazy fun yeah but if i had to ride my stumpy up there i wouldn't do that that little fire road link thing because to me it'd be like a waste of all this energy well wasn't there somebody the with trail. us that they actually stopped and was that that ride they actually no, stopped that it? was um no i stopped at the top because i yeah. was on my normal bike. oh you normal bike yeah, that time yeah, yeah. yeah. so you we'll be back again. Were on leave no that's right yeah, 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 I was yeah, like, yeah but yeah that's actually a good example so we, yeah. we did that exact thing so we did um yeah so we went down did the german's house went out the back to this place i've never been yeah then we went up come out at alien tree on world that's right yeah and then we did half of the like I, I the world championship alien, downhill yeah, yeah pushed up that yeah. rode down the half of the world champion downhill course on the levo yeah got back went up did a lap of black snake uh, yeah. up there black snake down into the car mm. park and we were done yeah we're probably done 20ks in an hour yeah and we both had other shit we had to do that day. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. Like you know, you you know, you uh, um, you can certainly do that, and people do do that on a bike. And I've done it. You've done it. It's, it's yeah. okay. But you know, you know, we're handlebar people. Yeah. You know, jet skis, motorbikes, uh, you know, mountain bikes, and everything. It's all about what happens that goes underneath you. You know, especially the wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Elbows out, holding on the handlebars, and what is it? It's about the rush, about the dirt going under your wheels. So yeah. it doesn't really matter how you get there. Yeah. You're not screwing a throttle on. You're pedaling. You're going there, and you know, you get to ride a lot more. You wouldn't. You wouldn't climb that hill two or three times. Well, you we, might do we it did, once. Well, we did that the next ride. And then you got to lay in bed all day. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, we did that. So we did the basically the exact same ride yeah. and uh but dad was on the yeah other yeah. levo 
So you and Dad were on e-bikes, and it was me, Jackson Richardson, Shawnee was on yeah. there, and Costa came as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so we had a sick crew, yeah. and we got. To, I got to the top of that hill, and I pedaled. Well, I had to push yeah. half of that fucking thing, and then I got there, and you and Dad, and, we're just chatting and, away, and yeah. you were just cruising. But then you guys went to the German's house and did that downhill. That like, was super fun. Come on. But I just said, no, nah, I'm not doing it because no. I'm fucked. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna be cooked. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like it's just don't make it an apples to apples thing yeah, this is yeah. a different you know this is a different sport yeah. it, it races in a different category it creates different opportunities it gives yeah. you a different thing out of doing it and in my mind it's it's a it's a new it's yeah. a new universe yeah. of mountain biking but it is still mountain biking look you, i call it it's it's like you know you, you know your um uh, terrain magnifier on google you know earth you know you mm. can get on and you can make it really steep or bring it down you're actually flattening all the hills out yeah that's all you're doing you bring all that terrain down and, and it's also made what well, i call it flat downhilling there's a track we were yeah, you know, go yeah. and do you know and you come out uh you know at, up near crystal cascades and there's a rugged rooty nasty rocky trail single track that you can ride and when you're going through you're all janky and it's all jerky and everything on a normal bike and it's hard it's technical it's it's kind of fun but you don't have to ride it you can go out here beside the cane field you know but you ride this one but on an e-bike you're like like that you're pedaling it's skill you, yeah. you know you know roots this high and rocks and everything like that and it, to me it's just like downhilling but it's flat yeah so you're going fast so bang bam bam like that so it's it's stepped it up a little bit you know and all that type of stuff's great and you know you don't ride e-bikes all the time no, you yeah, know exactly. i mean i've had some mates that have sold their bikes and they've got an e-bike and they're riding that and then after about six or eight months they sell them you know and they get back to ordinary bikes and then they'll go to get another e-bike so look it's like the big old mobile phone when it came back in the 90s there was a big brick with a handle you know it's a huge thing and then they got slimmer and look give it time they're going to yeah. be everything's going to be e-bike no there's no doubt about it you know um and the other thing about that is somebody said the other day about um you know, when people are bitching about e-bikes you know shuttling mm. or getting in a gondola and going to the top of the hill you know um i would yeah that's great you get your bike you put it in the gondola you go to the top of the hill and you bomb down and if you're on a trail bike well these things are so good now canevos and all those you know yeah. they're, they're getting so good and yes they will get lighter and yes they will get smaller and in turn get faster all that type of stuff and you know um but you're on a bike riding yeah going up that hill you're riding yeah well, what's more pure than that? Yeah. You know, don't... It's not a throttle. You know, you, you, it's pedal assist. So w what are people bitching about? You know, putting a bike in the back, you know, shuttling up in a ute or getting in a gondola to go to the top of a hill and ride down when you can nearly do it in the same time in some hills. You know, you can beat the shuttle truck up in, in some places and stuff like that. And so, again, it's a handlebar thing. You're yeah. holding the handlebars, you know, elbows out and you're bombing through trails. Win. And win, win. the other one is that, you know, when, when we were trying to pick out everything about, you know, you know abrasion and stuff like that. And, and, you know, so there's no, because there's no throttle, there's no skidding and, yeah, you know, wheel spinning. You know, sure, you can lean over the handlebars, lift the back tire up. You can do that with any bike too, yeah. you know. But so there's no damage. So we, we tried for about a year to work out what damage you can do on trail. There's none, you know. Um, we did know that we, yeah, there's some corners and switchbacks you build. Let's put some corners, let's bank them up a little bit. Because mm, you can actually rail up turns. around, yeah, you know, yeah. go on a climb. So that was good, you know, and, uh, but that's about it. Yeah. You know, there's no more armoring or anything you have to do. They're, they're pretty fun and funky, you know. So there's no banning. They're, they're talking about banning and stuff like that. You don't go doing that. You know? Yeah, and there's so much stuff like 
like at the end of the day too like when it's all said and done i'm still gonna get a new stump jumper yeah the new stumpy that specialized just released yeah i'm still getting it yeah because that is that that is filling one part of what i crave as a handlebar guy like yeah. you said yeah but then there's this whole new thing mm. that i now crave as well but yeah. it's it's for different reasons and it's a different look you come a, up yeah you come home from work sorry to cut you off you, no, you yeah. get excited you come home from work and it's late and You're the sun's like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. the sun's gonna go down in about 40 minutes you know i want a good ride well you go and have a good ride you know you, you may not have a yeah all right the one hour power. We talk about the one hour power all the all the time. When you go for a ride of an afternoon, it may be an hour and a half you go for a ride. Whatever you can fit in after work, people go and you know, if there's a trail center close to, close to your home, when you get home or on the way home, you go and ride that one hour power. And in Cairns here, in Smithfield, you know, everything we've got is fairly steep, yeah. so it's fairly slow riding. Maybe, let's say 10 kilometers you do in an hour. Yeah, you know, which uh, I think that'd be probably pretty accurate. Probably about that, yeah, you know. Um, but with an e-bike, you know, if you went out and rode that 10 kilometers and you do it in half an hour and go home, well, nah, don't do that. Yeah. You know, that's not... That's double not, or nothing, you know, Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So why not double it up, Yeah. you know? And then point for those climbs that you normally wouldn't do yeah. of an afternoon because you wouldn't be able to ride it the next day or whatever with your fitness. And so. so you end up doing 20 or 18 kilometers. What is wrong with that? Yeah. Tell me what's wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing, you know. That's it's it. Plus the like the extra one hour skill power. Stuff. You're still in the same, but I mean in the same time yeah, frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the skill. Because you're skill riding more, mate. I've got to become a better rider because you know every six weeks I get on and ride my Levo there for a while. But now I'm riding it every you know once a week and riding the other bike probably four times a week. But that you get on there and you're riding, you're doing doing more trails, you're smashing more things and everything mm. like that. Yep, thank you. That's good. And this morning was like the perfect example of that. Like Ricky shuttled us up to the top of yeah. the hill and then we pinned it on the e-bikes yeah. and then we got down to the bottom and I did like 50Ks the whole way home. Yeah, because like you had to get I back. I had to get yeah. back. Yeah. I was basically in a car. Yeah, yeah. And I like I actually, I was tired because I was I was basically top gear pinning the mm. lever mm. as hard as it would take me and then I had to keep it there. Yeah. But like... I was in a car. I got home like in a in a, a slow car, basically, yeah, yeah. and then I got to keep doing my shit. So it's like, yeah, the whole the whole argument. And man, I'm so excited to see what the EWS does with uh, e-bikes. Like, yeah. if there's an e-bike category, well, there will be. Like, there will can be. Can you imagine like the Dakar Rally of yeah, e-bikes? Yeah, yeah. Like when they've got like battery stations and you yeah, switch yeah. out, and then you've you've got a pedal, and these dudes are doing like huge alpine yeah. stages like you know full dakar shit man how yeah. fucking rad is that gonna be unbelievable we, we use them for work you know yeah so, you know we've had to have motorbikes to go into you know like you know ag bikes so the excavator is so far let's the, and derby yeah. is the one so far in it's so deep you get up in the morning you know you go to you know the the, the container in the morning you do your toolbox everybody talks and then you go and it could be Mount Buller, it could be anywhere, where you've had to walk for an hour to an hour and a half yeah. to get to the excavator because you're building you know, wilderness trails. You can't ride your bike on that trail that you've been building because it's still soft and it's all messed, messed yeah. up and everything. Yep. So you'll take shortcuts, you'll do everything to get there. So we're going, well, this is not working as a business. So we've got ag bikes, the 200 Hondas and everything like that. You put some fuel drums on there, you can put a chainsaw on there, had its special mounts, and that's great. You go in there and it cuts that time down, but an e-bike will do the same thing. Yeah. You know, so you'll get in there and you ride the whole way. You're not you know, in the morning and the afternoon. So that really works well. And the EWS stuff is, is you know, all the photographers yes. couldn't go and do every stage because they'd say, you know, like... Um, well, we got gear and... Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah so, you know, um, you do these, these stages, I'll do these stages. We've got them covered, you know. Yep. And uh, now they have e-bikes and they'll just go, I'll do the whole lot. 
you know well that's what we we did like when i've done mountain bike film stuff i've mm. just been on the levos because mm. i've got a backpack red mm. all that bullshit tripod and yeah you can basically well like uh yeah derby when we went in and filmed that last thing just zip straight in, on, in there zip yeah, in on the yeah, levo yeah. And yeah so oh yeah. all that's you know the, the, the greatest thing you don't have to change anything at all uh, well yes you you know what yes you do have to not have to but you can change the design of a trail so um there is nothing better than riding a real technical nasty climb on an e-bike yeah there's nothing like it well probably is if you're a world cup rider if you're courtney atkinson yeah 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 that's right you know well we went for a ride with courtney yeah, didn't exactly, we you know yeah. and he was just smashing out those steep and real just you know some sections like hands ray you know but you can actually do that yeah uh, on an e-bike so that's a lot of fun so with that if you were building some trails that were technical um in a, in a destination say you had 100 kilometers you know you know our standard destination set of trails you know uh, that tipping point is around you know 70 to 100 kilometers of trails um one of those you know black diamond trails um you can just ride it on an yep. e-bike because it's a technical nasty you know tough climb roots and rocks and everything like that where 95 percent of the riding public would not ride it you get an e-bike and, and that skills you up too because you go and do that and you come back on your standard bike and go, i'm going to try that now yeah and that's another thing too i'd never ever ever ridden uh, Gillies Range before mm. and I've always wanted to do it I thought, oh, that's a long way it's a big way you know it's it's tough once I did it on an e-bike I've broken down those yeah, those barriers. barriers yeah and go, it, yeah. I can do that now I've done that and the same with Coppolode you know we yeah, rode yeah, Coppolode yeah. yesterday afternoon uh, up to Wattle I've probably ridden it maybe a hundred times I've only ever ridden it once on, or twice on an e-bike Yeah, because yeah. you get to the top and go hmm I got ripped off. Could, you know, that I was easy. That, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you just open new doors, you know, that you, you've, you've had sort of little mental blocks before, you know. Dude, that, um, speaking of the Gillies, when I was like 15, I used to, well, you know, I used to live down the road from um, the Hannahs. Yeah. Um, Mick and Tracy Hannah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and old man Hannah was doing the Gillies range every day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I reckon I could do it. And it was that typical, like, nah, you bloody couldn't do it. You know, yeah, like yeah, young yeah. whippersnapper. So anyway, one day, I finally said, nah, you know what? I'm going to do it with you this morning. Like, you go do your ride. Don't hold me up, but I'm going to get to the top and back. And did you? So, yeah, he, yeah. Gave, he, gave, me, he gave me mixed old orange Yeah, roadie. okay. Oh, oh the roadie. Yeah. And I've never been on a road bike before that day. Yeah. So I put the seat and I did that and I, I started riding. And it's 80 kilometers from my house in Edmonton to the welcome to Atherton sign and then back to my house. Yeah. Now, by far, like, never done anything like that in my entire huh. life. So anyway, I, I did it and I, I started, I'm getting up there and I, it was, it was fucking hard. Like it was, at the time it was easily the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. And, um, but I had no idea that you could change the front gearing. Oh shit. On the front of the, on like the front cog. Oh. So I went up in like the hardest cog. So I was just grinding at like. Oh, st- you like, poor bugger. I was standing yeah, yeah. on the pedals yeah. the entire time. Yeah. And yeah, so that's my uh, that's my Gillies range story. Oh, but damn. I kind of actually want to go do that again one day. Yeah, well, we should just as a just as yeah, a thing. Because I was, right, yeah. was a kid. It's funny when you um, when you're young and you look at it, you look at something like that, and it's mm. just so mentally overpowering. Mm, mm. So that was. But like, also, you know, when you're young, uh, you know, I remember, um, you know, you're so stupid. Yeah. No, in a good yeah, way. Yeah. You know, in a good way. Yeah, like you just go. Oh, I'm going to go do that. How many times you go on with a bunch of mates? We're going to climb up that hill. We're going to do this yeah. and that. And you get halfway, you go, holy shit. You know. Anyway, somebody when you get a bit of experience, you just go, nah, don't do that. You know, yeah. with that. You know, um, 
I remember what I was going to say before. Yeah, you go. were talking about we we're talking about change and going. Yeah, yeah, it'd come around in full circle. Yeah. You said it would. Um, you know, when you, you know, get experience with traveling the world and everything, um, you got to keep on challenging, challenging yourself. And music is the number one thread, I believe. Mm. Because you'll get to a certain age, you know, when you're young, you're listening to music and then you get to a certain age and you stop listening to new music. Yeah. And you get a bit older and say, ah, that bang, bang stuff on the radio, it's horrible. You know, I don't understand it. And, and then you get to a point where you start circling back to what you used to listen to. Mm. I had a friend, you know, got in the car every now and then and he'd be playing the same music that we used to listen to when we were kids. Mm. And I go, what, what, you know, what, what are you doing this for, you know? And he goes, oh, it reminds me of an era you know certain things in his life you know he said it's beautiful I said yeah but what's going to remind you of now mm. you know and, and you've got to keep on challenging yourself and listening to mu- new music and, and, and uh, keeping an open mind so that was a, the, the whole thing relating to travel you know you've got to go and do things to, to expand and you know your view on things you know and man I, I just remember like you created so much musical taste for us too when we were kids <laughs> yeah, and funny? i remember like man the craziest one and jay jay attests to this as well is like you well first the first band that you really 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 got me like heavy hooked on well you bought me blink 182 CD yeah well like, yeah that was yeah 20 like, so 20 yeah, 13, ago, yeah. Thir- 13 and uh yeah. christmas you got me that and um and that i listened to that like me and ricky were just in the car the other day actually and um and all the small things come on and then damn it it was like oh, in a yeah, playlist yeah. and I can sing every single word huh. and like and off that it was the live album and yeah, every right. time I hear oh, that song yeah. I say that you will be fine you fucking asshole <laughs> like at the end of the song yeah, yeah. because like that's what the live version said yeah and um and yeah like that you were always that guy and then the next one was Avenged Sevenfold yeah yeah you got me heavy into Avenged Sevenfold and then the best one well, my nephew actually got me into them yeah dude. but you, you get Chuck or Brad Brad yeah yeah, yeah 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 so my um, then the next one which was the best best one was Bring Me The Horizon oh weren't they good oh yeah, and you yeah. told and you told me and uh, you're like you gotta get this album you gotta get this album you gotta get this album and I and I got it and the first couple of songs which is crazy because like the first song like that like that is the most insane way to open mm. an album yeah. but I just I, it couldn't like it didn't get me yeah. and then me and Jay we were in Vegas for um, it was like for an NAB conference or something like that mm. and uh, so then we we come we, was, we were in the car we just left Vegas and mm. then you text me and you randomly just said have you listened to Bring Me Yet yeah and I just said to Jay I was like look fuck we'll chuck this album on because I did buy it yeah and we listened to it from Vegas to LA oh. the entire time and I was just like isn't it funny like why couldn't i hear that the first time yeah all oh, things take a little bit yeah isn't that weird things. though yeah 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 some but things they take a, time, a little time to drop you know and they're, they're usually the best mm. you know yourself you hear something and you go this is rad well it's not in two weeks yeah. you know it's, it's gone you know but yeah. if, it, if it takes a while to seep in you know and uh you've but you've always got that you know when you when you you've always got that mate that has you know that has heard them before you you know yeah, yeah. You, I mean you get inspired by a lot of people and they'll tell you you know music and uh, certainly that happens a lot nowadays but there is something in you that you listen to something and you know that there's a thread and this is the thread that where the music's going at the moment and you're stuck on mm-hmm. it and you, and you know what's good and what's not going to you know you know that that's a single like I remember back when I was 15 with Led Zeppelin you know yeah. the um, you know an album came out and everybody was listening to it everybody had it and uh, nobody even 
gave uh, Stairway to Heaven a thought. And I used to play it. I said, really? that's a good song. And, no, and I'm telling you, honestly, nobody even played it. You know, they said, uh, no, you know, all the other songs on it and everything. I go, no, that's, that's really good. You know, so you know how there's always a song on an album. You go, no, that's solid. Yeah. And it's probably so, but anyway, you just have that ability to, or whatever it's in you, you understand what's going on, you know. And, um, but there's always that friend. When you, when you have music and say, you know, this is the best. Yeah, I know. Have you listened to their older stuff? Damn. You know, they, they, yeah. they're already into it too, that they've been in, into yeah. it for years. You know, you always had that one friend that already knows what's up. Dude, that, that whole bring me thing too, like that mm. actually, the craziest part of that is you follow the rabbit hole down from there. And that wound up me starting to listen to issues. Yeah. And then that led me to making a documentary about issues. And then I met and toured with all the boys from Bring Me the Horizon all through the UK. How's that's crazy? It's, how does it work? But it's that's crazy how it works. Eh? How you ended up there? Like you said, that, you know, they, they they were supporting, you know, Bring Me, Bring me yeah. the Horizon. And I'm going, damn, how'd you do that? Know. You know, it's how'd you get trip. there? Yeah. And like, yeah, we're just, you know, Ollie, the lead singer, and we're like, we went to Ollie's store in London because mm. you know, he, you know, he does that brand Drop Dead. Yeah, yeah. And so like, we're just hanging in Soho in London Fuck. with Ollie yeah. and the, all the Bring Me boys, and then I was just doing, you know, doing interviews with them for the the um, documentary and shit and you just have those moments you're like what the fuck how did that but, like, happen if I didn't like fully give that album a crack mm. that's just not a thing that happens but you know? see, see you've touched on something that's when you need to be not need to be that's when that's why things work when you're a yes person yeah as in yes not for anybody else for yourself you know you somebody says have you tried this or you know what you know go here and do that and you go nah 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 no, no, no. If you say no, you're not going to get there, you know, because you've, you've got your own block, you know, you block, you know, your walls up already. But if you go, yeah, okay, I'll give that a go. I'll try that. And you try different things, you know, different food, go to a certain place, preempted ideas. And those, you know, you have this you know, idea when somebody says something and you go, you think about it, go, no, that'll be shit. Yeah. No, it may be shit. Maybe, you know, go, oh, let's go to a waterfall or let's go here or let's go ride this hill or something like that. If you don't know anything about it, if you say yes every time, yeah, there's going to be some shit parts in that ride, for instance, or that ride may not be good, but that doesn't mean you should say no every time. Yeah. You know, probably, you know, eight out of 10 is going to be rad or even one out of 10, but that's going to send you on another journey and you just did with issues, you know? Yeah, you said yes. You'd, you know, you could have said, oh, you know, this band, up and coming band, will I help them out? Oh, uh, uh, no, it's too hard, you know, this and that. I don't like the music. But you just go, yeah, yeah, keep an open mind. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're there with uh, Bring Me, you know? So that's how shit happens, you know? It's And you know. the thing too with, um, the like, even if you don't like it, like I was saying to JB, who was at 8 Hour with us on the yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. I said to How Jay, much fun was that? Fuck. I know, we'll, we'll make that our next topic. Fuck yeah, yeah. I just had so much fun. Um, I said to JB, so we're at the eight hour, and he's like, I just don't know what I like. And I was like, it sounds ridiculous, but the best way to find out what you like is to do all the shit you don't like. Yeah. Because if someone says to you, oh, do you want to listen to this this fucking album or yeah. uh, come to this whatever metal concert? Hmm. And you're like, nah, don't, I don't know. But you don't, you don't really know you don't like it. You mm. just think you don't like it. Yeah. You've got to let something fully play through. Like an album's a good chance, like a good example. Like I listened to that, you know, the first few songs and I was like, nah, fuck, I don't really like it. it sounds shit. Yeah. But then I did listen to it and I listened to it all the way through and I had that open mind and I've gone from the preconceived, like, no, I don't like it to, oh, this is fucking amazing. But even if I didn't 
like I didn't actually like it after that. I've mm. given it a chance and now I've got a point of reference. Yeah. So and I, and I think that's helpful for people that have those like oh, I don't know what I want to do for work. I don't know doing nothing isn't the answer to that and waiting for that's the thing. That's not the solution. No. no. Yeah. You, you like doing a thing that sucks is actually just as helpful mm. because it just crosses one thing off the list that you yeah. know you're never going to have to do again. Yeah, yeah. So You'll it's like, know. yeah. And you know something may go on for three hours and the last one minute may be rad it'll Dude, change your life so you know? true you know and then well, there it is you know because yep. if you are looking for something an aboriginal guy told me once this and, and then it, it stuck with me for the rest of my life um as you know i grew up with a bunch of aboriginals uh you know when i was really young and so yep. did my mum. Yep. you know uh, in different millimiller and uh, and uh this one old guy told me um about just you know the cans environment um had a lot of sand yeah you know there's a lot of sand uh and black sand and white sand it was sort of not good for growing anything really because it probably was an old sand dunes you know that the whole all of cans mud flats mm. and sand and you know you know black wattle trees and everything not really amazing scrub but walking through there you know if you're walking through and you're looking you can see what you can see and that's it but if you know what you're looking at if you if you have the more knowledge you've got you the more you know what you're looking at if you know what I mean so yeah. he was saying uh, you know we were somewhere and he, he looked on the we looked on the ground and he said what can you see and I'm just looking at sticks and sand and everything he said oh guana's been here you know oh yeah like that and I looked also there's some guana you know prints on the on the ground and um, he go, oh guana's been up there and, he, and then he then the whole environment opened up to me you can see that the guana's come along it's chased something you can see where it's wrestled something there you know then it's gone up the tree you can see the scratch marks up the tree and everything <clears throat> and you can see how the whole environment rolled out and that's just the guana yeah so if you don't know what you're looking for if you don't understand you know if you know what a guana does you know where the paw print so you, you're going through the sand you go oh yeah look there's a guana he's been here you know and you know that environment but if you don't know that the guana's been there oh, I mean you don't know any sorry if you don't know anything about a guana you're not going to notice those, those that uh, it's been there yeah, yeah yeah you don't know those triggers or the flags or anything like that you don't know any so that's the same as life you really don't know what you're looking for you know you got to you got to be knowledgeable you know you got to understand a lot of things you know so I probably didn't explain that right no it's like it's <laughs> yeah. like experience and knowledge is yeah. is like the money in the bank of life yeah in yeah. a way because yeah. it's like you can be without experience and knowledge that is gained from experience then mm. that bank account of life is kind of always going to be broke yeah yeah Maybe so you, is that sort of well yeah I was, what i was saying is that that environment looked pretty bland yeah to me. exactly yeah but to him he saw everything yeah yeah it was yeah. a whole different environment yeah. you know and until he showed me about the guana you know, showed me where the guana was i didn't know about that you know so it's that's important to to understand things and so you may go for four hours on a ride or three hours on a ride and the last minute you may learn something and mm. that'll carry you through for the rest of your life to, to look for you know the next time you go somewhere you're going to know take that with you you know probably not a good explanation but anyway it's uh no i know yeah i know yeah, what you're saying yeah. um yeah so we got to we got to touch on the the transmotor eight hour yeah. like for me motocross we put so much into motocross when we were kids yeah. and it was just all we thought about and just go 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 always yeah it, like but it got to a point where it wasn't really that fun hmm. you know what i mean and yeah. it, you get that like it's that real small it's very competitive it's always the same people yeah it's it's very focused it's a clear definition of like you're a winner 
or you're a loser. Yeah. And and then that sort of took the fun out of why we sort of started doing it. But then with Transmodo, they've come along with these events. Big old circle all the way around. Yeah. And it's just like, we've said it before on the podcast, like you're almost a dipshit if you try and win. Yeah. You know, and like even the boys that did win were hammered yeah. the night before. Like yeah. we just we just had so much fun and it was so like it's like a community. Yeah. First time I'd ever been to one, you know, and thanks for the invite. That was great. And, you know, the guys from Transmodo to get us in there and everything. And, uh, you know, to go there, uh, you know, um, to see that it was fun, safe, laid out well, everything like that. But it was a community. Yeah. It was a bunch of friends. And you didn't even know these people, but they all, you know, yeah. they're all just on this. They're all getting the same buzz, you know, and uh to get out and you know there wasn't racing for any sheep stations at all or anything like that but you were not being a slacker either you yeah. know you're going out there and like you could have pulled out on that last lap because your bike had died but you're going oh what do i do and then you know chook yeah then chook gives us his bike. why don't you do this change your handlebars do this and you again yeah there's that no and yes thing isn't it yeah you know you could have went nah fuck it got a comp this there's week. a cold beer yeah. there yeah. Oh, i'm gonna no no you went no yeah and then we said let's ride together you know yeah. and then i left before you on the last lap and uh, you, you know, I'm thinking he's coming yeah. so help me go a little bit faster because I knew you were trying to catch me and uh, that was fun and you probably went a bit faster too to, to get that other lap in but that was great it was, a lot, it was just a lot, of, a lot of people having a lot of fun yeah and it's just like it's that it's like it just feels like it's for the right reasons yeah and you know like obviously they, you know it's, a, it's an expensive event like if you haven't done it and you look at the prices mm. like it, it is expensive to do but it's expensive um, for them to run. So I, I get that side of it. But it's not like you get the no, sense No, there's of, no downtime. You know what I mean? When you're riding. Oh, yeah. You know no, what I mean? full on. So that eight hours went like that. Yeah. So that means you're having fun. Oh, so it's yeah. worth the money. But I think, yeah, that to me, though, I think that I've sometimes got an issue with promoters that you just, they're, they're just doing it for the cash. There's really yeah. not a lot that goes into yeah. the event itself to make it an experience. It's like, yeah. let's give these guys the minimum that it takes to run this event yeah. and then we get that cream. Yeah. With tra- the Transmodo events, I just don't get the impression that they're doing it like it's just all about the fun for everybody else. Well, he's doing it for the right reason. Yeah, they're doing I, it for the right reason, and money comes. And that, yeah, know? exactly. It's yeah. like what you said before. But to yeah. me, I just get this feeling of like wanting to be a part of it. Mm. And I mean, I've mentioned it in the podcast before. Like they haven't paid me to do any of mm. that. Like mm. you, it just gives you such a good feeling. And like, yeah. and it even made me think of like you know the back in the day when you were racing with dad and mm. and that sort of yeah. stuff. Like it, it probably. Almost, does it almost have like a throwback vibe, do you think? Oh, definitely. I, I thought it was rad, you know, that we were there. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it certainly goes and, and sort of uh, touches on your youth. You know, you're, you're racing, racing all the time. But it's like no pressure. Yeah. You know, but you're getting that feeling. It's like what we are talking about this morning when you, you know, um, you have friends that you haven't seen forever. And you can just pick up that conversation, but you are friends always. And uh, it's like, you know... Um, revisiting an old trail yeah you were talking about Coranda you hadn't done since you were you know 10 years ago or old more you know and then you go and ride it it is like visiting an old friend and, and saying all those memories and, yeah, and emotions yeah, are yeah. attached to it and the smell and the feel and what you were thinking at the time and all that type of stuff and that's another thing what music does yeah yeah you know you may not hear a song you know well for me Linkin Park <laughs> yeah, goes, okay. Goes directly back to Bang Veranda. Yeah. And was like it? I remember the I remember the like the we used to listen to that song Faint, you know, the Yeah, one, yeah, 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 yeah. We'd listen to that like the first, as soon as we hit the bottom of Coranda. 
So, I mean, yeah, like I get that feeling from that. And I mean, I've seen Lincoln Park like probably 15, 20 times live now. Yeah. And that when I'm on Coranda, I get that song in my head. Isn't it beautiful, man? And yeah, yeah, when I'm at the concert, I yeah. get Coranda. Yeah. Because it was, so, they're so linked That was an together. era. It yeah. was an era. You know, um, for me, yeah, I mean, there's been so many years of well, Coranda. It was two, uh, 1990 when we made it, you know. So, you know, um, Millencolin. You know, Johnny yeah, Simpson yeah, yeah. and uh, all those guys, you know, Shawnee McCarroll, and we're all going up and down, up and down. But there was a, an era where we were just pumping out runs. Mick Hanna was riding, you know, and, uh, you know, firing up really good, you know. And uh, uh, you just pick one song. If I heard a song from that album, which I haven't listened to since, yeah, it'd be what we're eating in the car, what we're talking about, the smell, the feeling. And music does that, isn't that? Isn't it great? You know, like going away being in Cairns we'd go away to you know the Gold Coast every Christmas you know and a bunch of us would jump in a car and drive 2,000 kilometres for a week or something but you'd, we always made sure we grabbed an album that none of us had heard before it's the latest album be yeah. it good or bad but you'd grab it and you'd flog the shit out of it Yeah. and then you wouldn't touch it again for a year Yeah. but and every then you time pull you it, heard it but then you'd, you'd smash it on and all of a sudden you were there Yeah. And, and it's like drawing you know it's like art painting and stuff like that you know you know how I used to do uh, fine pencil sketching a lot you know yeah so you're drawing and you're in, you know, really intense, you know, in this, it's an intense sort of area you're drawing and everything, but you're listening to a radio, you know, the radio or an album. And then you look back at that thing that you, you know, years later, you know, the foot peg that you were drawing, I could tell you what song I was listening to yeah, and what yeah. I was thinking about subconscious. So that's, that music is good like that, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. But yeah, sorry, we went off the Transmodo thing a little bit, but that, that's, that's right. like revisiting an old friend and, yeah. and uh, you know, all those feelings come flooding back, you know, so... Uh, and being competitive too. Yeah. You're not going to go out there just to like, oh, it's, it's not serious. No, no. You're going to have fun. You don't want to hit the ground, but you're going to have fun, aren't you? Isn't it funny what competition does to you? Like yeah. a stopwatch or like even the jujitsu thing that I did last yeah. week. Like it just, it totally changes everything. And I like, I went into the, the first, because it was my first time doing it. And I went into it and I was just like, look, I've been doing this long I don't want to expect anything of myself. I'm not going to be disappointed, blah, 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 blah. And then the first time I lost, I went, fuck this. Mm. And it just fired me up for the whole yeah, rest of the yeah. thing. But it's like, you know, it's no different to what you do in the gym. Like yeah. there's no different format. There's no different rules. There's no different anything. It's just that there's people watching you and losing means something, even mm. though it means nothing at all. Mm. It does mm. kind of, there is a feeling that you get from it. Yeah. And it was the same with like, um, you know, the the eight hour on the weekend like I fucking pinned it on yeah that, you did you guys were flying like, yeah because it was like but I, I went there and it was the same thing I was like I'm gonna keep myself in check I got work I got all this stuff but yeah but like, there's a happy medium you know blinders yeah, go yeah. on and you're just like oh you don't, you're not gonna go you're gonna go crazy to a point you know yeah. there's this gotta get um yeah crazy to a point you know and uh yeah yeah it's a, it but it, it it definitely changes your the way that you're approach something yeah. you know competition will always do it. and that's why it's great competition is, is good like that because you can um, yeah it just brings another you out doesn't it it, it does know? eh yeah. there's something, something like primal about it yeah, maybe, yeah. and um, you know how many times you use it in daily life you know you do something between here and that next stoplight or mm. you know you you pick these little fights you know yeah like yeah, again when we were riding um, you know you could be running through the bush or somebody's hunting you down or something like that you know you think somebody's chasing you you know like the nazis yeah. are coming or you know yeah. something like you know you, and, and you just something happens in your mind and you're gone you know it's uh your mind is a powerful thing 
mm. you know, to when it comes to competition, um, you you can drag energy. You know, when you you think you're done, yeah. your body's physically done, and you just switch something on in your on in your head, and you just go. You can double that, double that up straight away. You know, it's weird. Yeah, I think it's that. I guess it's just that consequence. Mm. Like there kind mm. of is consequence yeah. to an action. Yeah. And, you know, maybe like when you're, like if you're out training, it's pretty easy to quit. Like I was thinking this yesterday, like I was in the gym with my friend Riley and um, we were doing these like, it was just these holds and it was yeah. 30 seconds and we had a clock on the wall mm. and there was 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. So we'd swap out on this thing. And I, and I just did not want to not do it. Mm. but if I was there by myself I would have gone this is fucked you know yeah, yeah, so it's like yeah. it's like that accountability whether it's like a competition accountability or somebody else there and I think the, I guess that's probably why you get the people like those crazy successful athletes and stuff is because they're able to hold themselves accountable yeah, whereas like me a, like I'm probably not able to hold gonna myself you're going to give up yeah I'm probably going well, I think I've got better at it as I get older yeah but, you know, I think when I was young and like actually trying to be an athlete, mm. you know, with racing, I was like, there was no accountability there. Like it was only the, the race day that made me accountable. I couldn't channel that same energy through the weeks. Yeah, yeah. The, look, the mind's crazy. It's, it's like, especially like mountain bike racing, you know, you go and race mm. and, uh, you know, you um, I always look at it, somebody may qualify first on the downhill and then the next run they've got eighth. Yeah. You know, and their times and they qualified first on their on their first run you know and it's like well you prove that your body's right your body's right and your mind's right everything like that so what has let you down you know if your body's gone right and yeah we gotta wrap it up I'm sorry no you're all right uh, we need to start uh, getting that blower out and mopping the floors so it's going to interrupt your, your peaceful calm yeah okay <laughs> yeah. But, we're but, about half an hour so we need about yeah we're going to We've done everything else. We've done the toilet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can start wrapping it up then. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No worries. Okay. Yeah. What yeah. time is it? 11:30. It's uh, yeah, eleven thirty. Yeah. Probably about an hour. Yeah, fifteen. Um, we we'll probably touch on trails or whatever you want. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I guess like I, I really wanted to talk. Um, we got to go because the brewery's got to open. Yeah, we got to yeah. drink beer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's. We'll have to. We've got to do this again. This can't be the only one. Mm. There's. There's more. There's more to, yeah. to this story. But um, yeah, I guess like maybe we got a shout out. Um, yeah, just we kind of breezed over Wangetti a mm. bit. I mm. guess. So we got a really. Good well, there's just so much in it, you know, with yeah. Wangetti. You know that that's that's another that's another story in itself. You know. Yeah. Um, where they got to. You know how how you know years ago people didn't really think much about trails. You know, and now that there's there's people building trails all over the world and I really do think that that's the biggest best thing well I know yeah that that is the next big industry outdoor adventure people going out and doing stuff you know and uh Wangetti is proof of that mm. you know that's well I think what you've got like you you must be like you you not a 30 year old kid or a mm. 25 year old mm. kid anymore like mm. you've seen and you've done so mm. much in the world like you're a hall of fame mount, yeah. you know mountain bike hall of fame now yeah you must be really proud looking back at where trail building has come from scratching you know the Coranda range in 1990 to now like derby it's derby for me is like the epitome of you like it's almost like a culmination of your 
career and now one getty is like the the legacy project yeah, of yeah. like getting to do that in your hometown yeah. but i think derby was like like we've said a, a bunch of times like derby's australia's first mountain bike town yeah that's it that's yeah. that is mountain biking yeah, there yeah. because well derby is you know, uh, you know there was nothing in derby you know uh, from um a lot of aspects but now there is you know low socioeconomic you know small town nothing was really open and now you've got a position where people are you know you basically can track every single dollar that goes through that place but um you know people working there you know that businesses are opening and uh you know it it's it's because it's ticked every box yep. there are boxes to tick you know and around australia we get you know we get them all the time through the business people saying we want the next derby or we want an international standard mountain bike track or we want you know world-class mountain bike track their words they're easy to say mm. but unless you have the right formula and there is only five boxes you have to tick it's not going to work it's going to work at a level a layer you know like there's there's three major things to mountain biking you know you have a cultural level where you just go out and ride your one hour power in the afternoon mm. uh, then there's a race aspect if you've got a trail system that's really good and, and you go out for one hour of power you could actually go well we can run a, a major event on this you know mm. smithfield's a good example and then there's a third level is um it's a destination you mm. know so derby probably isn't that perfectly because you know there wasn't anybody locals riding there you know and uh certainly there's events there at ews and then it's a major destination so it's sort of it's weighted more on the destination side but now nearly everybody in derby rides you know yeah and really good pinners there too yeah, you, you almost know? like reverse engineered it yeah, like you yeah. created a culture around mountain biking that yeah. kind of didn't exist there by doing the event and the exactly the destination yeah, yeah, thing first yeah. but the thing is with uh with all of this um it has to be done right there's been you know um some people have the idea of going oh well let's put 10 kilometers over there and you know over that side of the hill we'll put another 10 kilometers of trail here and put 10 kilometers there let's spread the love over, over this area so mm. every region gets a bit that ain't gonna work yeah people aren't gonna get in the car wet you know take their bike to the next place and then ride there and then put their bikes back and it does it has to be like a ski resort everything's a one-stop shop well your shopping center now yeah it's the same thing so perfect. yeah yeah it's the same thing and also the uh you know the the whole thing about a tipping point yeah. if you're only going to have 10 or 20 or 30k a trail well you're not going to get in a plane with your bunch of mates and fly to florida yeah to ride 10 or 20 k's k's of trail you know you, you you're going to go where there's you know a bunch of trails and you're You've going to stay be there for a week yeah and you can't ride the trails in one day or two days or three days or four days and maybe a little bit later and i've said this before you know so many trials you're going to be there for a week which means you're going to be spending money you're going to be camping there and everything like that and you're not going to drive that rental car that you drove there it's just going to be parked in the garage thank god you know yeah. you're just riding and riding back into your accommodation you know and that's the future you know and these things are happening everywhere you know um, but you have to have the right formula and then on top of that you got to have the right trails you know we're so fortunate i've been really strict with trail building i, I mean i'm really fussy yeah. on how a trail should last you know uh, it has to be sustainable it has to flow like a you know like anything and it doesn't mean it has to be beautiful berm to berm and rollers you know it could be your skanky off camber rocks and everything but it still flows because you've got two wheels you know yeah. it has to flow a certain direction you know so that flow and everything and you know i'm really fortunate that we've got you know people like ryan de la rue and you know yeah. and, and reese hackinson who came to us first and uh, he's been with us ever since you know and he builds these guys and max and build absolutely brilliant trails and then everybody behind them you know uh shaping them up and everything so you've got to have the right mountains you've got to have the right trails you've got to have the right crew you've got to have the right idea and concept you know for it to work 
and people are starting to understand now. You know, mm. and uh, you know, it's a long way yet. You know, um, I always thought that our biggest threat would be unskilled competitors bringing down the industry. You know, um, building, and it does happen every now and then. Some competitors that just build not so good trails, so people aren't getting really good experiences, and the trails fall apart after a couple of years. But probably one of the biggest threats is, uh, you know, land managers and 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 people like that. Um, you know, potential clients that don't understand what a mountain bike is and what a mountain bike trail is. So they'll accept anything. They go, oh, well, you're riding on dirt, that you're going to be liking that, you know, you're going to like yeah. that, you know. So the trail isn't that... If a trail isn't that good, they don't even know if a good... If, you know, not they. Some land yeah. managers don't know the difference between a good trail and a bad trail, you know. Yeah. And uh, I always look back at coffee 20 years ago. You know, you... If you ordered a coffee 20 years ago, you'd be happy for some lady to open up, you know, there's somebody at the, at the counter to open up, um, or your auntie or whatever, ask for a coffee. They're going to get an Nescafe out, put a teaspoon in a bit of glass jar and put it in a, you know, cup and bo- pour uh, boiling uh, water. Eddie Milk? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's flash. You know, you got Robert Timms. That's nice. You know, so flat. You know what I mean? So, but now but you now ask the, for a coffee. Everybody the expectation. knows. Expectation. Yeah. So all it is, it comes back to that knowledge thing. We're skilling up, you know, we're trying to skill up everybody about trials. You know, what what standards they need to be you know because they're going to be around forever trials you know you put trials in in the environment they have to stand the test of time they've got to be there not for a hundred years it's you know mm. longer than that you know but some trials people put in there over the last two years you know and they don't understand why they don't work you know and it's really that's really important you know well we got to wrap it up because the brewery is about to open yeah no, and it's been good uh, that went quick I told you it goes so quick eh? we've got so much to talk about I know we like, part two yeah we'll do a part two super soon yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah thanks everybody for listening um, yeah I was yeah really stoked to bring that like you're one of my favourite humans on planet earth and oh, thanks, you've mate. had a lot to yeah. do with, with where I'm at and all that so to sit down and talk to you I was yeah stoked to get it done well thank you very much and it's same here you've uh, watching you grow up to where you are I'm really proud of you, no, you know? you've done to, some great things maybe we'll just share that footage you talked about give everyone the origin story <laughs> which one's that oh that footage yeah 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 you still got it <laughs> you no. still got it <laughs> okay